What's up, everyone? This week on the pod, it is Tsunami. Me and Daniel sit down with Mike and Joseph, and we talk all things Tsunami and Bay Area Hardcore. So check that out. Please support the podcast by subscribing to it wherever you listen to it and share it with all your friends. Let them know what's happening. If you want to go the extra mile, you can go to patreon.com slash 185 miles south and become a monthly Patreon. There are bonus podcasts for every interview podcast. Uh, We'll do something, usually have some buddies on, and we talk that interview and also go through the playlist or discography of the person who was interviewed. And those are some of my favorite pods, so check that out. And let's get on with the show. Hundred eighty-five miles south, a hardcore punk rock podcast. What's up, everyone? This week on the pod, I'm joined by Joseph and Mike from Tsunami. What's up, dudes? Yo, what up? What's up? What is up? And also helping out. Uh, our Bay Area transplant. It's Dan Sant. What's up, Dan? How's it going? Yeah, man. So excited to have you guys. Um, Tsunami has been a force to be reckoned with, you know, since you guys popped up a couple years ago. And uh, one thing that like really shines through is your love of the Bay. So I wanted to ask both of you guys about getting into hardcore and like the first stuff that resonated with you. Joseph, let's go to you first. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... So my first show ever or my first concert ever was uh Green Day in Sacramento. So I mean they right there I mean I guess like I was introduced to like a Bay band right off the start and then like a just like a random side story RJ my boss that would be like his first it was it was Green Day Jimmy World and I forget which fucking band but that was first the first tour that rj worked for jimmy world so i thought that's just like a funny like a weird little side arc but yeah 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 but uh it's just uh i first started listening to green day after that i was pretty much just like hooked onto like just rock music in general because before then i would just like listen to like mainstream rap like 50 cent was like my first cd ever so i was just into like stupid shit like that but uh it was Green Day. After that, I like listened to everything that my cousin would like recommend me. So like, Slipknot, System of a Down, like a bunch of shit that like I checked out, but like I didn't really care for. And then uh, I just like deep dove into like punk music, I guess. So like I listened to like Dead Kennedys, Up Up Ivy, and then like literally whatever I could find like on LimeWire, like searching punk, and. Uh, but like down the line, I just kept going to like just random concerts. And then eventually I would go on the MySpace days. I searched up like fucking hardcore on like the top like MySpace categories. And then eventually I found like this band called The Subtle Way, which is like a metalcore band from my hometown, like Fremont. And uh, I was just like, oh, oh shit. They're like from my hometown and they're playing a show like next week. So I went there. 
And then it was my first like hardcore show was like at this place called the Pizza Patio in Fremont. And then after that show, I was just like hooked. I would go to every local show. And that was kind of like my introduction. Mike, let's go to you. Same question. So I actually uh, first uh, like uh, first CD for me was also like a Green Day. My mom kind of put me onto that. And then uh, from there, I just found like, uh, like, you know, like, I feel like in my generation, like in the background of like video games and shit, it's always like new metal and shit. So I just find that and just kind of kept like just jamming that kind of stuff. And then to get into hardcore, I fucking was wearing just like a, uh, some kind of like a death metal or thrash metal shirt at a school. And some kids invited me to some show in this spot called the Gaslighter in Gilroy. And it was some band from, San Jose called Heavy Heavy Lolo. It's like a metalcore band. And I was just drawn into like uh, how fucking crazy it is. You know, like just the people. I'd never seen something like that. So I guess from there, I just kept diving in more and trying to find more bands that played like that and like local bands that would play like that style. When you get into hardcore, like in the Bay, do you feel like there's uh, like, are most people sucked into like, kind of going back in and learning like the history of like, like the lineage of like any of it. Like, cause I mean, you have old 77 punk, you know, like you got like uh, the Avengers and then of course like dead Kennedys and stuff. And you got your, I'm the whole thrash metal thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean like the Bay area has like music, everything. There's so much history. And then like, there's so like the lineage of like bands, it's like, pretty phenomenal but like when i first got into like hardcore like as sad as it is like dude i just wanted to like mosh i wanted to be in a pit like i just wanted aggressive music and then like i don't know how or why but i'm so thankful that i actually cared about music to look into older bands but i feel like when i first started going to shows uh people had the same mindset of me like people just wanted to act out be violent and then like mosh hella hard and then some of those guys, most of those guys, like, don't care about, like, old shit from the Bay. Like, uh, when I first started going to shows, if I were to talk to them now, they probably wouldn't know shit about AFI or Powerhouse, which is sad. But uh, I'm glad that me and Dirt and, like, all our friends are, we kind of did our research. Yeah, I would think that, like, you're kind of forced into it just because, you know, hoods is a a total legacy band at this point like they've been around forever i saw them maybe two or three years ago was the last time they were still absolutely great so like you know if you go see a band like that it goes off like you're kind of forced to like learn a little bit of history just because they they've been around since the mid 90s and mikey's been around forever you know oh yeah but this is the shit i think my one of my first shows was definitely like uh hoods was definitely on it was like a hoods fest in san jose which and i mean after seeing them i was hooked for sure and then i i did my research on hoods like i love hoods yeah i mean 70 strong back to basics and then you're like oh who did back to basics oh it's 25 to life Mm -hmm. oh let's start a band in that lineage what's up jump in yeah think about like if you're getting into punk and you know you're discovering up ivy you're discovering green day you're discovering rancid things like that and then obviously part of that 
tale and part of that story is Gilman. So was Gilman like this before you went to a show there? Was it kind of like a mythical place that you were like, oh my God, I can't wait to go to a show at Gilman or, you know, I hope I can once go to a show there. Cause that's how I felt like after learning about all that stuff in San Diego, you know? Oh yeah, for sure. I mean like, uh, but the thing for me is like my first Gilman show was like, it was when I didn't really know shit about like hardcore. Like my first show there was like as blood runs black and then animosity and like those bands, like, I mean, they're not really hardcore. I love those bands, but they're not hardcore bands. So like, I just went just to see them and I didn't really know shit. Well, I mean like you hear of Gilman just because of like all those older bands, but I don't know it, it, it for me personally, I wasn't like in awe of going there. Yeah. What year was it that you guys got into green day? Because, you know, like I got into punk rock right around the time that like green day broke and it's so fascinating to me. Like they continue to like be a gateway band for people. Uh, me, I'm not sure about Mike, but me personally, I got into green day. Like right when American idiot dropped, like that's the first concert that I went to the American idiot tour. So I want to say that's around like 2003 or 2004. Yeah. Around the same time for me too. That's when I first heard about them. Yeah. That's amazing. So it's like they're an entry band for, a solid decade. Yeah. Cause American idiot, September 21st, 21st, 2004, you know? And I, I think I saw him in like 95 at uh Cal state Dominguez Hills, which is like the same spot that I saw Metallica in suicidal tendencies. Well, Pretty a decade wild. before it is arguably their most like gateway era of Dookie, you know, like the massive explosion that Dookie was. So like 10 years on, they're still bringing, but you know, kids, into the greater culture which is it's pretty awesome yeah so when you guys dove like into hardcore what were like the bands you guys connected with the most and mike let's go to you first for me i was uh hell john into like uh like mad ball and, and agnostic front like new york sound i couldn't believe it i and i still love that shit like i just think it's perfect like i was i was always just been drawn to that like uh that ball set you, it off and demonstrating my style. Like, how were uh, you first exposed to it? Like, who introduced uh, you to like Mad Ball and and how did it take a hold? Uh, I think I just kind of found it like uh, just finding bands on like a uh, like uh, on the internet and stuff because I grew up in this city called Hollister. Is like uh, it's like an hour south of San Jose and. Uh, there was like no one in my hometown that really else really knew uh hardcore. So no, I didn't really have anyone to put me onto it. So I said to find it on the internet and stuff. So if, if you're, if you're discovering like hardcore, like via the internet and things like, you know, without like that older dude in the scene, like hipping you to stuff or making you a tape or whatever, the way that like a lot of us were, you know, kind of indoctrinated, do you realize that hardcore is is a set of ethics at the same way that it is uh, a sound of music, or does that kind of come later? That definitely came for me at least comes later, like when you're actually at the shows and talking to people about it, and like just becoming friends with people and like learning deep diving deeper into it and like learning about it. 
Yeah. So you like being at the show shows you that it's more like, yeah, exactly. Like a no bullshit kind of environment rather than, you know, like bands making money, etc. Like you kind of learn that as attending the shows more than, than just discovering the music online. Yeah. That's also when you're, you're exposed to like the community aspect of it. Yeah. You know, and like the secret handshake and, you know, us against the world, like these kind of ingrained hardcore things. Right. So that makes sense. Like you get it when you're going to shows, how fortunate were you that you like came across Madball though? Like it could have been anything who knows like what direction if, uh, if you don't find that and it resonates with you, cause that's the best shit ever. Dude. It's hell random how I found them too. It's like, uh, I don't know if you remember on cable TV, they had channels that's just music. Like they would play music all day. Yeah. Like you could find a heavy metal channel. And I remember it played a Madball song. I was like, yo, what the fuck is this? So I wrote it down on a paper and downloaded off fucking LimeWire. That's how I found it. That's so sick. Like, yeah, if you're up in the 900s or something, there's like... Yeah, exactly. There's like the metal channel or the or the uh, blues or whatever, you know? Yeah, and Daniel, you know, that ties in well to that discussion we had about, uh, you know, certain bands signing to major labels and the positives and the negatives of it. Yeah, because exactly. you know, if you think about it, like Madball was on a major, they had the budget to like make music videos, you know. Yeah, but th- this is not a video. It's like a, it's like a digital radio station. Yeah, it's a radio station, like, <gasps> almost like a Pandora, but it it's connected to cable and it just plays music. But the weird thing is, it gives these usually like a little photo of the band and then a few fun facts rotate through while the song is playing. So you could probably get like two or three little jewels of wisdom about what is this Madball thing and then from then you know run off and and download it on LimeWire and hopefully don't give your computer a mega virus oh I definitely gave it the virus <laughs> <laughs> you're like Madball this is the greatest song I've ever heard but why is the dog wearing a uh, Steelers jersey <laughs> <laughs> Joseph same for you what what connected with you the most early uh, it, it has to be terror uh, I think that was like one of the first hardcore bands, like real hardcore bands that I ever saw. Uh, and that was like, uh, I think they played San Jose Mockla. But yeah, after I saw Terror, uh, it was just awesome, dude. Like, uh, Scott Vogel's like presence, it was it like demanded like so much of me. And then like just to watch him, it was just awesome to see. Uh, and then after that, I kind of just like. Uh, would go to every terror show and then like whatever brand bands that they would bring like i would like deep dive into that and then like i think the, like i honestly think like the era where me and mike like got brought up in like yeah we have the internet but we still had to do our research so like i would buy a terror cd and i would still like look through all the thank yous and check out every single band and that's kind of like how i just like found new bands i think that is a common a common story from any era of hardcore from 81 to now whoever gets thanked you go check it out you know and also having vogel being like the the you know a good signpost in your hardcore like think he's always repping another band's shirt like he's always talking about these are the six or seven bands that you need to see you know like he lives breathes and you know preaches hardcore so it's like the I can only imagine if I 
Terror had been like my formative band, I would have, yeah, I would have bought in one trillion percent. Yeah. And that's kind of like the importance of them too, with like their longevity and like never putting out bad albums. Like, you know, they're one of the greatest hardcore bands ever straight up, you know, and, and a perfect entry point, you know, like, although like I, I do worry about like, if your entry points, mad ball and terror, like, fuck this is all downhill from there. Like that's rough. (laughs) (laughs) Or it just means that anybody doing anything different is just soft. (laughs) That's right. Yeah. You're at the apex of hard, but, uh, yeah. So rad. I can only imagine seeing terror, like coming out of like, somewhat mainstream music and then going into a venue and seeing one of the best to ever do it and one of the best to demand an absolute response from the crowd every time they play so it it must have just felt like every single person in the entire venue was moving it you know it, it seemed like that dude it was it was like pretty surreal it was awesome yeah fuck yeah <laughs> What uh, inspires you guys to do your first bands? Uh, for me, my first band was a band called Eros or E R O S, and like nothing really inspired me, dude. Like my friends wanted, like started like at the time it started off as like a New York hardcore band, and they needed someone to play bass. I didn't know how to play, but I just said, "Screw it, I'll I'll figure it out." And then that's kind of like jump started my musicianship. Yeah, what year would that have been, Joseph? Oh shit! Uh, I could check real quick. I want to say around two thousand seven or two thousand eight. Yeah, did you guys uh, do a demo or put anything out? We two thousand. Wait, I'm completely wrong. It's around like two thousand eleven, two thousand twelve. But we did have a demo, and then we had like an EP after that. Cool. And how was it playing shows in a hardcore band? And uh, do you feel like you lived up to the terror standard? <laughs> no, <laughs> we didn't live up to the terror standard. But I think that band did play with terror once, which was really cool. Like, I was stoked on that. Uh, but, like, uh, I mean, our shows sucked for sure. Uh, but it was cool. It was, it was like, fun, like, actually, like, participating in hardcore, not just being, like, an observer. So that was awesome. Yeah, did it give you a different appreciation? Like for what goes into even just doing a band on the smallest scale. Oh dude. Yeah. I was like, this shit's hard work. Like no matter, like even if our band sucks, like, uh, like it made me appreciate like how bands would tour all the time. Yeah. Or even just getting four people together in a room to practice is hard. Oh yeah. It's still hard now. Especially now. (laughs) Yeah. Mike, what was your first band and when was that? Uh, I would, I just played in uh like when I was a like maybe a sophomore junior in high school. We, uh, just a couple kids from the school. We just did like a like a metal band that sucked and like <laughs> oh the most we ever did was like play like a like the high school like band showcase or whatever. But then uh, I kind of just uh, like kind of like uh, Joseph said like when I would start going to shows, everyone so someone would be like. Hey, let's just jam a band, and we, you'd end up just practicing a couple times and just playing a couple shows, and it just goes nowhere. But it's still fun to like, you know, like le- like you said, like learn what goes into it and like learn how to. I don't know how to say, it. like, uh, 
like just learn how to create uh, music with your friends and stuff. Yeah, I mean, you gotta you gotta start somewhere, right? Now, your yeah. high school uh, metal band, did you guys do any covers? Because I always think that's interesting. No, we didn't. I don't think we were good enough to learn other people's songs. Yeah, yeah. It's like <laughs> most most people just do For Whom the Bell Tolls without uh, any of the solos. Yeah, I don't think we were good enough to even do that. We just, <laughs> it was all of our, we just picked, like, we just all were like, okay, I guess I'm doing guitar. And then we all just, decided to jam and we probably shouldn't have even ever got on stage. Yeah. I had a shitty metal band when I was in eighth grade and we covered for whom the bell tolls twice once uh, with me on guitar and once with me on drums. So what's up? That's hard. Yeah. It's clean. <laughs> Cause that shit, that shit sounds so good when you're that young, you know, you're like, damn, we sound like Metallica, you know, <laughs> but Daniel pick a brain. Well, you know, I, I feel like, Everyone has to do a shit band to start, you know, no one's coming out the gate. Great. Um, but what, what makes you, whoops, <laughs> what makes you, um, like then go into doing other bands? Cause Joseph, I know you've been in a million bands at the same time, Mike, I know you're currently in a million bands. So how, how do you feel like going from, you know, getting a little bit better at that and then, starting to do bands a bit more seriously like uh well like the band that i said like arrows uh there was a show where we had we needed a fill-in for guitar so none of us really knew who the guy was to play guitar but we jammed with him and uh it it turns out to be cole the guitarist of gulch and then at the time we all sucked at our instruments, but then like after that, like we formed like a friendship. And then after that, we would just like, turns out we would do multiple bands with each other. And then just like meeting new friends and then like going to more shows, like it just like made us want to progress as musicians, I guess. And then like start cooler bands. What was the first band that you did that you uh, <clears throat> thought was cool? Uh, I joined, uh, so before, before Gulch, there's probably like five other bands, but our first band altogether was a band called True Hearted and listening back, it kind of sucks, but, uh, we, we popped off in San Jose and I, that was like my first cool band. Like I had a really fun time playing in that band. How about you, Mike? So, yeah, like I just, uh, I always just wanted, cause like Joseph said earlier, all like all when you're a band, like just starting off, all your shows fucking suck. So I always just wanted, like, I was always just like, dude, I just want to play a fucking show where everyone likes the fucking band or like, you know, like, yeah, the good crowd reaction. So I guess I always just wanted to sit down and just learn how to play as solid as I could and like, uh, push, uh, jam with friends as uh, much as I could until I like, uh, like kind of push each other to be like, all right, let's play solid so we could get maybe a good reaction sometime or something. I guess it just kept going from there. So the actual, like seeing bands going to shows and seeing people go fucking mental for certain bands made you say, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to tough out this and I'm going to really work at my craft. So, you know, oh, yeah, dude, like, yeah. I Going to sh like, 
watching ceremony play gilman like yeah i like that's like my goal i want to i want a band like this yeah yeah <clears throat> mike when do you feel like you finally played a show where you got like that level of satisfaction uh so i used to play in like a kind of like a metal hardcore band called reapers row and i just because the dudes that I joined the band with were a little bit more heavily involved with the like hardcore scene, all their friends would uh, came out to like the first couple shows they played, and it was just like, "Holy shit!" Like I actually did it. Like we're actually uh, playing to people that actually know the song, and it was the best fucking feeling, you know? Yeah, because I feel like it's probably one of the most addictive things on the planet too. Like having sing-alongs and and people jumping on each other for your band is like <laughs> you need that again if you've experienced it once you know any other time that it doesn't happen it it hurts <laughs> oh straight up before we before we jump too much forward into like the current bands you guys do um again just because you guys ride for the bass so hard can you kind of how about if uh, this is going to be unfair so you can call me an asshole, but I want you to do it anyway. Um, can you guys do your Mount Rushmore of Bay Hardcore? Uh, all right. Uh, what's the list? How, or how many in the list? There's four. All right. Shit. All right. Animosity is in it. Uh, AFI. Uh, and I struggle with if I want current bands because Gulch is on it 100%. Uh, all right. Animosity, AFI, Gulch. Oh fuck! I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to. Uh, we we can go to Mike. Yeah, yeah go to Mike. Go to Mike. Fourth. Damn, I I can't decide either. I know for sure Powerhouse. And yeah. uh, this might uh, at least for me like. What I listen to a lot, I I think First Blood's on there for sure. And then, damn, yeah, I can't decide. <laughs> it's rough, dude. It's rough. It's, so, it's bad, dude. That was yeah. a tough one. What was yeah. First Blood still going when you started coming to shows? No, no, not at all. I never seen them live. All right, I played with them like a couple of years ago, but it was like a scab band with Carl, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, one of the best things about that band though, was uh, they took their craft like really seriously, you know, and it, it comes through in like every aspect of that band. So I can understand why, like they're, a, they're an important band, you know, I think plus, you know, Carl coming out of doing terror and, and doing his own thing and really carving out a, a piece for himself was like impressive what he was able to do. Yeah, legends. Yeah, but Dan, how do you that? think that band holds up? I think they hold up pretty good. I feel um, the only thing that has is setting them back is Joseph's first blood Fruit Loop shirt. <laughs> <laughs> is that a thing? I yeah, well, they, they that was a- one of my first shows. I think I want to see First Blood Terror was one of my first shows, and uh, I I was so hooked on First Blood at the time. And the only shirt that they had was like this fruity loops like rip of like the cereal box it's so ugly uh and then the back it says bay area cereal killers yeah but uh, i still i that's the only shirt i'm not getting rid of yeah <laughs> um 
No, but I feel like they, unfortunately, besides in the Bay, were overshadowed by the Terror Association. Do you know what I mean? Even though they were they were on Bridge Nine, right? So they did well from from that level of distribution. But just my own memory of it is that they never really um, got out of the terror shadow at the time of their existence until Carl quit terror and then started doing first blood more uh, without it. Out of, out of curiosity, like for my own like knowledge did was first blood like huge in the beginning. Like, did they have like good reactions? Cause I saw them towards like, uh like i want to see like 2007 2008 and like they were cool like they were awesome to me but like looking back at it the reaction wasn't that sick yeah no it 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 was more like they benefited from the terror association and then suffered from the terror association you know so right when they first came out same with with piece by piece as well like both those bands i mean on the merit of the music as well i'm not saying anything to do with but the buzz of it being those dudes, you know, made it um, really go off initially. And especially because they were both side projects of terror meant that they didn't play as much. So when, when they were doing those shows, it was like, you know, pretty special, but if they weren't like massive venues or anything, I feel it. Let me, yeah, I want to, I want to talk about the serial thing again. Real quick, <laughs> just go back. Uh, Daniel, do you remember there was a, a band on the Punk Sucks album called the Quincy Punks? Yeah. And they had that song, Serial Killer. Yeah. And it, it was making fun of Rice, Crip- Rice Krispies. It was like, snap, crackle, pop, kill, snap, crackle, pop, kill. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's all I got. And Punk Bites, the little kid with the Mohawks eating a bowl of cereal with all the that's punk right. in it. That's right. Yeah. Joseph, do you think that, that that shitty shirt like made you take merch seriously? Because now you guys, I mean, merch is epic with Tsunami, right? You're making like water bottles and shit and selling them. Yeah, I mean, our merch game is definitely strong. But like, I, I don't know, like when I think of like merch, like it's cool to have like uh, like limited stuff in like that bands are doing, but like for tsunami for me and then like merch that i like i love iconic stuff dude like the ceremony like the what is it like that flower shirt that's iconic to me like rain supreme like their logo shirt that's iconic and then like in terms of like tsunami like that's what i kind of want to go for like it doesn't have to look cool but i want people to know like when they see it they know what's up yeah what went into how how hands-on are you with like the art you know, like the, you know, kind of like the, the graffiti art and so forth. Uh, I mean, I didn't make any of that, but like, I definitely knew like, that's kind of like what I wanted and I knew like who to go for to get that stuff done. Yeah. So it's like when you're, you know, like, cause people hit me up and they're like, Oh, who should I get tattooed by or whatever? And I'm like, well, first, you know, know what you want to get tattooed, what style, and then like go find someone that does that style. Well, right. If you exactly. want black and gray, don't go to like a Japanese dude, you know, or a, a new school dude. Yeah, you know what I mean? You got to get the guy who's the best at what, he, at, at what you're going for. Right. So that was like your approach is like, this is the shit I want. I'm going to a guy that like knocks that shit out of the park. Exactly. 
Yeah, it makes sense. Mike, how in, how involved in like the art stuff are you, or does Joseph just handle everything like that? Uh, Joseph pretty much just handles almost all that stuff. Yeah, how how do you feel about that? Like, <laughs> is it just are you cool with it being his vision? Completely? Oh yeah, one hundred percent. Because I know he's good with that stuff, so I totally trust him to do all that stuff. That's cool. Well, let let's back up a bit. Let's. Let's talk about the pathway to doing these bands that you're in now, like coming out of those those bands that you you know you you worked on your craft and you and you you know became much better at instruments. Like Joseph, I know you play bass in a in a bunch of different stuff, but what made you want to do your own thing? And Tsunami, when it first started, kind of had a bit, you know, it was a bit tongue-in-cheek, a bit um mysterious and awesome in that way and the skits etc what what brought all of that forward uh i don't know man like when i think of tsunami it's just like a band that i wanted to do with my friends forever uh like i i've known everyone in the band besides our drummer for years uh and then i don't know man like our crew, like Gulch, uh, and us, and like Hansa God, like we've been friends forever. And then uh, we've been in bands, like multiple bands, like five to ten bands with each other, like prior. And we just wanted to make music forever with each other. But <laughs> the remit of what the uh, tsunami riffs are is much more like really playing up on for lack of a better term igno you know <laughs> i mean uh all right so everyone in tsunami and everyone in our friends bands we all love ignorant music like we all started going to shows like beatdown shows uh so we've always like loved the music uh and then like our bass player like i known him for maybe 12 years now and like my first time ever meeting him, he said, yo, we should do a band named Tsunami without the T, and I wanted to make it a beatdown band. So it took us 12 years to make that happen, but <laughs> we did it. It's crazy you, didn't, you didn't respond, there's a T in Tsunami? What? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. so if, if like, you know, you had this idea, and then, uh, Mike, do you write a lot of the music? Oh yeah, uh, Mike writes just like Mike writes. So the like the the roles of the band, it's pretty much Mike writes all music, and then I pretty much literally uh, do pretty much everything else. Okay, so you two probably discussed amongst yourselves what you wanted this to sound like, right? I think then, I saw the text. It's literally he just said, "Hey, bro, send me some ignorant ass tracks to spit over," and that's it. <laughs> that's so sick yeah. so the the best part is like you know Zach and I are friends and we talk about stuff and we also do the pod Zach like pulls me up one time I'm down in San Diego to do fucking in the bushes while Joseph is here at my house watching Stella um, <laughs> Zach goes yo you have to here, this band, Tsunami, is the most ignorant shit I've ever heard, and I fucking love it. And 
Zach and I both share a love of things much like you guys are discussing, like being super, because, you know, we just recently discussed on a pod about ignorant riffs. How can a, a piece of music be ignorant? But it can. <laughs> and Tsunami does it <laughs> so ignorant and so well. Um, when you first like played these things for people, were they just like, oh, I, I can't even, like I can't even understand how ignorant this is. Uh, that's when I heard it. That's what I said. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know. Cause like me, like, I'm like, okay, this is hella ignorant ass. Like musically it's ignorant. And, but like, that's what I wanted. So like, I wasn't yeah. like laughing at it, but like when it all came together, when we put the lyrics to it, me and Mike were laughing the whole time. Cause we we're like, there's no fucking way people will like this. But well, you know, I, I like when I would come into Timeless and we would, after I'd heard it and stuff, like every time I would discuss this with you, I would be chuckling, you know, because, <laughs> and, it's, and the main reason of all is leaving the apostrophe R-E and making it Y-O-U-R <laughs> just to <laughs> send it into the stratosphere, you know, what was the decision there? Dude, I don't even know what I was thinking, but <laughs> it's so I don't even know. But uh, I, I, I was tweeting on Tsunami Twitter for like three months before we even had music, and I was just going off. And you're a bitch was literally the the first tweet, so we just had to roll yeah. with it. We had to roll with it. <laughs> I love how many people try and correct it, like like say to to like we've got our friend Ben who is on the pod with us a lot too and he, in a text he's like can you believe that it's not spelled right and we're like dude it's on purpose <laughs> like <laughs> calm down <laughs> yeah what was some of the feedback like Joseph you work at Timeless with RJ um like you give this to him and you know like he's an aficionado hardcore like he knows like you know, pretty much everything. Like what's his reaction? Uh, to be honest, I don't really know. I like, he acknowledged that he listened to it, but he wasn't like, yo, that's sick. Or yo, this is hella stupid. <laughs> like he just like, all I know is that RJ knows it exists. Uh, <laughs> that, that's an RJ review. Like yeah, yeah, that, yeah. he knew RJ. He's more just like, Oh, cool. Like, I try and the only thing he does that he has an opinion on is he says the clash sucks and that drives me fucking mental. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, is it hard uh like deciding where your riffs are gonna go? Because like Hand of Hands of God is is a great band that does a very similar style in its own right. You know? So like how do you decide like this riff goes to Hands of God, this one goes to Tsunami? Uh well, with Tsunami, uh, honestly, I just go into the studio and I just pull riffs like uh, I make it up on the spot. So I don't sit down and write those ones before. Yeah, yeah. So if Tsunami, I sit down, I'll go for it, Joseph. Oh, yeah. Tsunami, just uh, just so people know, it's like all fake drums and then Dirt literally does riffs on the spot. And then our uh, recording engineer, Toshio, he plugs in drums right after like immediately oh you, re you record the guitar first and then you hit it with the drums yeah, yeah literally same day like with like in one hour we could do like three tracks 
then why is there such a lack of material? God damn it! (laughs) (laughs) A lot, a lot of them are really bad. But uh, yeah, we 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 scrapped a couple of them. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead, Dana. I was gonna say, so like you're on you're on Twitter talking all kinds of tsunami shit. You're like really kind of playing up this because for those that don't know who are listening, Joseph is like the nicest and the most mellow and so chill. Like this alter ego that is the tsunami singer is fucking. It just seems like it's night and day to normal Joseph. So if you're on Twitter talking all this shit, building up this kind of mythos of what tsunami is. And then you record this. It comes out. It's igno as fuck. The lyrics though are dealing with, you know, actual, well, perhaps besides YAB necessarily, (laughs) but you know, like talking about police brutality and stuff like that. But when does it become the moment where you're like, oh, this little side project, let's do it. Like, it's it's really fun. Is it after that infamous show? It, it was for sure after the show. Like, pretty shortly after, uh, like, we got hit up from people from, like, uh, Salt Lake City. They're like, yo, we'll give you a guarantee of a thousand bucks if you want to fly out. And then, like, I I want to say, like, a week after uh, our first show, Sound of Fury hit us up, like, yo, we want to be your first, like, Southern California show. Uh, and then at that point, I don't think we really still wanted to do the band, like, super serious. But that kind of, like, opened it up, like, yo, like, people actually, like, want to see us. Yeah, do yeah. you think that... Go ahead, Dano. You go, Zach. Do you think that the band has benefited from like COVID because you're so good at, at social media and sometimes like a band like this actually less is more. Uh, I, it's hard to say. Like uh, I always have like a gut feeling that like once COVID is done, like we'll lose our hype train, but uh, it, it hasn't gone down, dude. And it, it like, it's really awesome to see that it hasn't gone down, but uh, I'm just trying to do my best at like making it keep going. Well, obviously, um, that video of the one show that you've played has gone everywhere, right? And I mean, there's something to be said about like we were just discussing that having people go off to your band is like the most gratifying, like glorious thing ever. But seeing people go absolutely inside out mental for your band with your iconic if you're not from the bay you know intro like or i'm misquoting you it's like there are two kinds of people (laughs) you know when that goes viral and like everyone starts to be interested is there almost a a feeling of like we don't want to play a second show because that was absolute perfection (laughs) Oh yeah. Like everything about the first show, like where it was at, who, what other bands played it, like it was perfect to me. And then like, I think like even now it's going to be hard to top, but uh, even uh, before we even played the show, Tsunami at first was just like, we wanted to do a demo. 
we wanted to do a demo release show, uh, an EP release show, and then our last show. We only wanted to do three tops. Uh, <laughs> and I mean, that still might happen, but uh, I don't know. We're just kind of just going with the flow. You can just hit the fest circuit once COVID's over. Yeah. And just only play good shows, dude. And it'll never go away. A few times a year, fucking best band on the show and what's up. <laughs> but uh, I want to ask about the YAB because if you heard, Daniel was shy to say it. Um, you know, have you had any blowback of like using the word bitch? And what do you think the importance is of of kind of like holding the line on some words like that? Like, you know, I guess, I guess give me your outlook on using stuff like that. Uh, yeah, I definitely have gone in blowback. Uh, I had somewhat recently too, I had a, like a, a conversation with a, an old coworker uh, about how uh, their friends felt offended uh, for me using bitch. And then it was cool. I mean, like the conversation was like, I guess eye opening, but like, uh, in the end, like I do get that people will feel like it's fair to feel offended by anything like that. Those feelings are valid, but with me and like my group of friends, male, female, whatever, like the people that I'm with, they're not necessarily offended by the word bitch and like other words. So like I could publicly stop saying bitch, but in my circle, I'm going to continue doing it. So why do I have to be fake publicly, you know, just to like appease someone else? Uh, it, it That doesn't make sense to me. And maybe I'm the ignorant one in that case, but that's just how I see it. And you're not meaning it as a demeaning term towards uh, a female in this instant, you know? Oh, yeah, 100%. 100% not. How does, it, um, how does it feel like seeing that video of when Hansa God is playing like that fest and like everyone yells like, if you're not from the Bay, you're a bitch. And it's like, well, what percentage of people there were from the Bay? <laughs> Literally zero. Okay. Uh, but dude, like I, I don't know if the hands of God was going to play that. Like, like that was their plan, but tsunami was supposed to play that fest or like a pre-show and like things fell through. So I couldn't do it. So I felt like it was like a, like a resolution to me, like, the singer of hands of God sent me that video and I was so stoked. Like it was just like in the end, like it felt like I didn't miss out on the fest. It was awesome, dude. Like it, it made my day. And every time I watch it, it makes my day. Yes. Yeah, wild. Mike, did you play that show? Yeah, I did. What was it like for you? I couldn't believe it. I was just like the same reaction I had at the first tsunami show. I'm just like uh, laughing my ass off. Cause I can't believe it. Like, <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't get it. <laughs> did, did you all discuss afterwards? Like the crowd basically just all called themselves bitches. Yeah, that's the first thing. That's what we we're laughing at. Like, okay, I guess we're playing to like, I guess they're all bitches. I don't know. <laughs> so, Mike, I, I asked Joseph like about uh, you know, COVID possibly benefiting tsunami. I, I think about Hands of God, like 
that band is so good. And it seemed like he was just picking up steam and maybe you would have had a lot of momentum like coming out of that fest, you know, with that video going real viral and so forth. And then COVID hits. Do you think that like Hands of God is one of the bands that kind of got hurt the most by uh, the pandemic? Uh, Yeah, I mean, I think so. But there's no way to really tell how any band got affected until shows come back you know like you never know what band's still going to be popping off or if it's going to be some new band like i think that's why everyone just doesn't know right now well one thing that that i feel it it's it's unfair that it's almost this way but i feel like hands of god have been this band that's been on a lot of the the base shows for a long time like doing a lot of opening or second spots on like touring band things and and they took you know you totally have your crew people going off but i was always like spence putting in work what you know why is it not um exploding more for them and i feel like an association with tsunami seems to have like helped too you know the fact that you do tsunami and well you also do we should talk about all the other bands you do as well. You yeah. Yeah. Mike, why don't you lay out the other bands you play in? Uh, so I play bass in with drain. I play bass with Gulch and then I play guitar in tsunami and hands of God. And I also play guitar in a band called lead dream. That's based out of Santa Cruz. Yeah. It's wild. Like what do you, what do you guys account for? like the popularity of, of all the Bay bands right now? Like, is there some in the water? What's going on? Cause everyone is so good and everyone sounds sonically pretty different. Dude, I have no idea. I think about that a lot too. Like, I don't know how like, I feel very lucky. Like, uh, I don't know how that happened. If, yeah. It feels like it happened like within the past two years, like just an explosion randomly which is weird because like all our bands have been putting in work and we've all been in bands for years. So it's sick that we finally have recognition, but like we've been doing it. We've been chilling. I think that's what it takes is one band to get over and then other people to hear from, from that band, like what the other bands are around. And it just starts this slow, like remember Zach, like at the beginning, late nineties, early two thousands, Boston, like anything coming out of Boston was getting like mega hyped and everyone was like digging all the bands. And it it kind of feels like that moment for the Bay or at least a year ago before all of this ground to a halt, you know, every Bay band was putting out, well, every band that Mike's in (laughs) was putting out solid, solid, amazing records that, you know, will go down in, in history like as a a real moment that it'll be interesting to see what all the second records are like you know i I also think like oh sorry no i think like in uh in general like not even just the bay like like yeah our friends are in the bay but we have like friends like we all came up like at the same time as like vamakara dead heat like a bunch of like just bands from all over and like we've all like elevated to like i guess the next level all pretty much all at the same time and those are all our friends and like they've always wrote for us and we always write for them so it's just like it's i think it's really cool to see like everyone doing well 
It's awesome. Yeah, Dan, I was going to say, uh, there's another analogy that uh, you may enjoy. Uh, you and Al Caltrans, um, <laughs> you know, like when wrestling's hot, it's easy for like everyone to get over. Right. And when it's cold, it's like, it's impossible to make a star, you know, but it's like, if it's popping, like it's like, uh, Steve Austin and the rock. It's like everyone on the, on the card is like kind of popular, you know, brings it up. And if it's cold, like there's no fucking hope. Yeah, definitely. But you know what, what would be, uh, an interesting like parallel to what Mike is, is like when you think about Porcel was in YOT and judge at the same time, you know, and Project, and X. Project X and, you know, so you're checking out one leads to the other and you're like, Oh, this thing fucking rules too. Oh, and this thing fucking rules. Like, so it, it, it builds this groundswell where all the stuff is good, but then it's also able to all see the light at the same time. And then as Joseph says, like being friends with dead heat and being friends with, you know, perhaps a band further South, like there's a whole like railroad of like all these people are friends ride for each other and get, getting the word out that each other's bands are the shit when they tour, you know? Well, it's very possible to like a kid right now, his three favorite bands are all Mike's bands. Right. Like you could, your three favorite bands could easily be Drain, Gulch, and Tsunami. You know, yeah, like I that's, mean, that's fucking mind blowing. Could have just, just done a, a mic filled podcast for the end of uh, 2020 list, you know? Yeah. Mike, did you play in Drain from the beginning? No, I've uh, I actually just hit a practice last night where it was my first time writing with them. So I don't want to take any credit. I didn't write anything on the, Gulch or Drain LPs. Like I kind of joined after it was already written and uh, they were ready to go play some shows off of them. Cool. Can you guys speak on, on those bands? Let's talk about Drain first, like their Ascension. I'd like your guys' uh, opinions on it. Joseph, let's go to you. Uh, first show that I've seen them play. Uh, I was in a band. I'm in a band called Spinebreaker, like a death metal band. We threw on this show. Uh, uh, and then Drain was like the one of the bands on it, and that was my first time. And I fucking hated them at first. <laughs> <laughs> no diss, but uh, they were like, you know, they were just like they still had the energy, uh, but they were kind of all over the place. Like they haven't like fine tuned their sound, and uh, they were just like new kids. Like I've never seen any of them before. Uh, I uh, yeah, like I legit did not like them but then like after they would after that they would consistently go to shows uh they would play in other bands and then you just came to love them as people and then i just came to love their music yeah mike how do you feel about their ascension uh yeah i've like uh similar to uh joseph the first time i saw them was in like this little weird uh it was almost like a a little hallway in gilroy and it was like middle of winter and i just seen these fools pull up with like boogie boards and little shorts i was like who the fuck like <laughs> who the fuck are we watching right now and sure enough like joseph said they just kept grinding and were playing every fucking show and they were fucking solid as musicians so you just kind of learn to like love the music and then of course the people you just start to learn to love like uh basically the same thing joseph said like uh they just kept grinding and showing that they're good people. And then everyone fucks with them. There's no reason not to fuck with Drain. Yeah. And, and you know, any hardcore band that drops an LP that good, they got to be respected and noticed, you know? 100%. Yeah, for sure. 
Totally. How about how about the ascension of Gulch, Joseph? How you feel about that? And uh, I should say I was disappointed that you dropped the beef. You know that <laughs> that was a nice kayfabe storyline, but uh, maybe maybe now you got to start beefing with drains since. Uh, oh yeah, hundred percent. Throwing shade. <laughs> uh, but Gulch, like those are my best friends. Like before Gulch, we played in like five other bands before that together. Uh. And like I always loved everything that Cole and Elliot have written. So like no matter what, even if they weren't as big as they are now, I would ride for Gulch. Yeah. How do you think or why do you think it connected so much like it has with people? Oh, that dude? I have no clue because Gulch is super abrasive. Uh, but I mean, like I could see how like different uh, subsets of like scenes like like if you're a crust kid, you'll like them. If you're like, I don't know. If you like discharge, you'll like them. If you like fucking, uh, dude, That's I don't well. know. They like, yeah, they like attract so many different people. So, but they're also super abrasive. So it's kind of like I get it, but I kind of don't. Yeah, I'm so fascinated when anyone that sounds that abrasive gets so popular, because I mean, I'm I'm shocked by it and I love it. I felt the same way when like American nightmare, like turned into the biggest band, like in hardcore. It's like, this is so rad that like a band where the singer sounds like with his voice, so shredded, like can be this popular. Like I never thought I'd see it in my lifetime. Cause when I got into hardcore, a lot of bands sounded like vocally, they sounded like pretty safe or like kind of generic, you know, I was like, Whoa, these guys are like going for it and people are riding for it. It's so ill. Mike, how do you feel about the ascension of Gulch? I feel the same the same way. Like I was uh I was a really big fan of uh their bands before, like True Hearted and uh and Spinebreaker. So I just instantly off the bat was just like rode for them because I like love all their bands, but I don't I honestly don't know how it like I don't know how it caught on like that. It's sick that it did, but I just it was like all it was like almost every day. Like I would just see more and more people just fucking with it. I didn't know how it happened. So, Ill. how do you guys, uh, like, are you guys able to take a step back and look at like this time period, you know, maybe pre COVID, maybe during COVID of like how awesome it is to have this like tight unit of bands that are first off, just amazing. But second off are getting, a certain level of success. Uh, I I think about it from time to time, and it, it like trips me out because like uh, uh, I hate to like dick ride our own bands, but uh, there's gonna be a point like when when like a, a a young kid wants to listen to hardcore and like deep dives into like Bay Area hardcore. There's no way they could avoid our bands, which is awesome. Uh, and I feel like. We don't deserve it, but dude, like, it's it's cool to think about. Well, I mean, that Gulch LP has arguably is what on everybody's year end list, like outside of hardcore, like Pitchfork type shit, as well as you know, like a Matt Pinfield or whatever. Just it's escaped outside of hardcore. Oh yeah, and I see it on like death metal lists. It's insane. Yeah. Yeah, and and on indie rock lists, you know, it's it's ex, ex, you know it's escaped from just being in hardcore kids' hands, and um, 
I think that that's awesome, but I also think it's well deserved because that LP is such a ripper. Yeah, I think that like Joseph, what you said is is important and good. You know, like that you are able to like I, I don't so that's one of the things I love about hip hop that I think we don't get enough of in hardcore is like a little bit of bravado. Like bands acknowledging when their band rules. I fucking love that. You know, uh, like Yeah, I, I know yeah. you do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, like let me let me toss that out to you guys. Like, how do you feel about that? Like, do you think that there should be a little more like even Joseph, you you like apologize for yourself. Like, you know, I don't want to take my own band. Like, I don't think there's anything wrong with saying like my band, like put in the work, like maybe you haven't pounded like the pavement of playing a bunch of shows and shit, but like down to the detail, like you, you know, there's a ton of work that comes into doing a competent band, you know, and you've done good with imagery. You've done a great job of like keeping people like entertained by the band, you know, and, and coming along for the ride. Like there is something to that. Like, obviously you feel good about it. And don't you think that maybe hardcore band should kind of like more often say like, I'm the shit. What's up? Yeah. I, I struggle with doing that for sure. But I think so. Like I was thinking about it, like from time to time, like, like, like when you're on tour and then you go to a Starbucks and there, and the chick is like, Oh, are you guys in a band? Everyone gets nervous at that point. Like no one owns up to it. It's like one of those things, but, uh, I don't know. It, uh, uh, it just I, I hate to feel like the braggy the braggy guy, but I don't know. It it is deserved. Like I put in a lot of work and then all our friends' bands put in a lot of work with everything they do. Yeah, I mean like I, I just think that like if Gulch came out and were like, What's up, we're the greatest band in the world, like that'd be so ill. <laughs> that'd be sick. You know, why not? Mike, how do you feel about that? Like a lack of bravado and hardcore. Um I mean, I definitely don't ever feel that way like uh like I would never be saying that, but I, like you said, I think it would be sick to see bands come out saying like, yo, what the fuck? Like we're the shit. Like that would, that makes me want to listen to that band more, you know? Yeah. Well, like, I, like Tara should say it. Like Tara should come out and be like, what's up? We're the best band on earth. And if like, <laughs> you got an argument, like you do it for 20 years, you know what I mean? And like AF should do it. Like AF is the correct answer. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, but the thing is when you've done it like that, you don't have to say it. I feel that's, that's my fair. Opinion. That's fair, but then like, what's up in what's up with hip hop? Everyone says it. You know? I know, but, that, uh, but hip hop came out of a battle culture, you know. So you were you were battling to say that I'm the best, like whereas hardcore came out of a community helping culture. So you're not trying to shit on the next person and say you're the shit. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, everyone not, just everyone just uh, slanders people behind their backs instead. Well, I mean, that, that's part of being in a community, isn't it? <laughs> Unfortunately, right. <laughs> yeah. Um, but what what plans does Tsunami have beyond, uh, you know, the EPs and the 12-inch EPs? Uh, you've signed to Triple B, which is, congratulations, that's a sick label, and that's going to be really good for you. What are the plans going forward? Uh, right now we have... Uh three songs written and recorded uh those are going to be put out on triple b uh as a seven inch uh i can't say how it will be released but uh oh like three songs stuck to a two by four and then it hits you (laughs) over the head yeah uh i mean after we're done recording i'll tell y'all but uh 
and then after that we like we have to we're in the i guess in the process of writing the lp with triple b but uh that's really it we haven't been like doing too much stuff musically mike how do you think the approach will change when instead of doing like a chunk of three or four songs you're actually doing you know 10 to 15 for an lp for a band like i don't uh dude i held I, that's intimidating. I've never written that many songs. I'm, I don't want to do hella songs, but like, we're obviously going to have to, so I don't know how it's going to work. <laughs> like, the most I've ever written, it was like three or four songs and an intro, you know? Like, right. yeah, intimidating. That, now you're going to have to have the slow one, the blaster, like the quick, fast one. You're going to have to have the, you know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how it's going to always work. approach LPs. Like, well, we've got the slow one. We've got the... <laughs> Yeah, I was talking to Dirt or Mike, and then uh, like the literally goal that we want to do for Tsunami is to make an iconic beatdown record. Like that is what I'm like. Ain't nothing but a Tsunami beatdown. Yeah. Who do you guys think are like the uh, like the kings of that genre? You know, maybe as like forefathers, and also like who are the current best bands that play that style other than Tsunami? Uh, Bulldoze and Unit 731. Unit 731 for sure. And Bulldoze, yep. Do you guys fuck with that nasty band at all? Like they're a Euro band? No, not really. Uh, I've listened to some tracks, but I've never like really checked them out. Yeah, I have like no perspective on them. But uh, yeah. they play the style kind of, and, and I enjoy it. And it looks from photos like that they're huge. But I mean, that could just be plain fest. Who knows? Yeah, I think they are pretty huge. But I'm trying to think of like what other beatdown bands that I really like. I mean, uh, maybe it's a California thing, but World of Pain from San Diego is definitely like on my list of yeah. when I think of like a beatdown band. Yeah, they're great. And they did they did a handful of records. I think they did three three full lengths. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But other than that, I don't know. So what's the what's the dream for the LP? Kev one guest vocals. <laughs> That'd be Have it clean. You might be able to. Just reach out, dude. You know? You gotta yeah. ask. That's the yeah. way to do it. <laughs> but uh yeah. Daniel, you got anything else? No, I just uh you know you know I love this these recordings, like the the first recordings and then the redone ones, like love it um and uh oh i got a question who's the best dog in the world joseph oh it's stella 100 percent. all right thank you <laughs> <laughs> yeah if uh if tsunami broke up like tomorrow what do you think like where do you guys think your spot is like in the history of bay hardcore shit tomorrow <laughs> I don't know. I don't think we, uh, I have, I don't think we've deserved a spot yet. I think one more record and then I could answer that. You think the three will do it or it's gotta be the LP? Uh, maybe the third, honestly. Yeah. But, uh, how do you feel about that, Mike? Yeah, I feel the same way. Like, uh, I feel like, uh, we haven't, like we've played only one show. We haven't deserved a place of uh, all these uh, hardworking bands that put on for the bait. Like, you know, 
like we got to do we got to still do yeah we got to put in some work a little bit like more work for sure definitely um but it's so cool to have such a mysterious legend build out of a demo you know yeah pretty cool like i i love the whole ephemera around what almost like as a social experiment of what has happened with the band besides just the actual music, you know, the whole other aspect of it is just as much art as the music. I feel. Well, I I think that people needed it. Yeah. It's very Malcolm McLaren, sex pistols, you know, you build the legend and then you get people to buy into the legend, you know? And just also like everything seems so well thought out now. They're like you just want something that's like, all right, that that is like dumb and itches me in like the right spots, you know. But it's like cleverly dumb, like you know, like the the Y O U R, you know. It's like why does that tickle me in the right spot? I have no idea. <laughs> I just needed it, you know. Like it's like someone gets a joke that I always like thought was funny, you know. Oh yeah, I mean, like like I said, like when we recorded everything we laughed at the recordings forever and i'm just glad that our joke translated so well to other people yeah those guest vocals at like the end of that first song good god when the dude's like (laughs) (laughs) it's the best i love it who is that uh it's our friend kenny who uh he plays in like actual good like punk bands like uh one's called fentanyl uh, but he plays in like an uh, also a very ignorant beatdown band called Foghorn. Uh, <laughs> Dude, I'm sold. Does he it, sing? I, I'm gonna have to. Yeah, he sings in it. Like if you he thought Tsunami, yeah, he writes everything, guitars, drums, and everything. If you listen to Tsunami, like, uh, let's just say it like this: if you like Foghorn, you'll like Tsunami. But if you like Tsunami, you might think Foghorn is too ignorant. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've moved on i got a new favorite band <laughs> joseph can you book them for me i got oh, i got on. you i got you <laughs> appreciate that um here's you, a question like okay. you two are younger you know in lots of bands and stuff can you for our listeners like describe kind of the diversity and how cool like bay shows are and bring all different people and all different types of bands. Are there any particular bands outside of your circle that are Bay bands that you're really into? Uh, And also just kind of talk about what the Bay scene is and what it means to you. Cool. You want, you you want to go first, Mike? Yo, my app was, I only heard the last like two seconds of that. My, my zoom was cutting out. (laughs) Daniel, say it again. So I'm sorry to make you repeat it. No, that's all right. Um, so I feel like the Bay is quite a diverse scene and there's lots of different style bands playing with each or all the each other all the time and like lots of different points of view coming in a scene as well as um lots of di- diversity in the crowd. Like what does like the current bay scene like mean to you and are what are some of the bay bands that are outside of your friendship circle that you really like i think that's why uh san jose in particular and just the bay area scene 
it does mean a lot is because it is so like like no matter what show you go to, it's just sick to see hella different kinds of people just fucking with the same band or the same show, you know? Like you like you said it good, like it's you go to a show and it's like uh you got crusty ass like punks and then like you got like all the like the hard the hardcore dudes and you got like death metal fools and then just like random dudes that just somehow know it. It's just like a it's just like a hell of it's just the best time to be at a show, specifically in San Jose. Cause it's just so diverse. Yeah, like if you go to like Oakland, I guess like you could like if you're more into like the punk side of hardcore you'll like enjoy some shows there uh like more uh because san jose like those dudes are like super hot-headed and like it says that like some of those guys literally are just there to mosh uh but like we're all friends and like it gets violent for sure but like it's just like it's different worlds like you go to san francisco that's like one different vibe oakland's a different vibe and san jose has a different vibe uh but every scene has like super good bands like uh not like my immediate friend uh friend circle but urban sprawl from san francisco they have like a new record on or new record coming out on rev that band rips yeah uh, torso also has like a new record coming out on rev that they band that fucking clip. rips just came out yeah yeah, yeah. uh there's a band um, called world peace from like i think they're from more like the oakland area they're fucking hella good too yeah like world peace like if you want power violence you could listen to them uh and like those guys are in another band called spy that band rips uh uh, i don't know there's just so much good shit like i don't know you could find a friend if you were to go to a show in the bay you could find like a friend group in whatever genre of music you like and like i don't know it's it's awesome i love i love being in the bay do do um do you think tsunami and you know would go over well at like a one two three four go records type show absolutely not (laughs) (laughs) as real as it is uh dude i would love to play gilman like uh that is like my favorite bay venue yeah uh and you think you would be i think we i would think we'd sell i think we would uh do really well like we'd bring a crowd but i don't i don't know uh if the residents of like oakland and berkeley like the showgoers there would typically enjoy a band like Tsunami though. Well, you know, like I said, after I saw your, your first show video, I'm like, dude, if people are punching me in the face, I'm fucking punching back. <laughs> like, <laughs> but it was just like the vibe, you know, I, I'm, I'm too old and too fancy for that. <laughs> no, I get it. I get it. But that's definitely like punching people in the face. And like, I guess like, uh, crowd guess, killing yeah and all crowd that. killing that's like such a san jose thing and i don't think that's gonna like stop like it's so ingrained into like it, it's weird i think uh todd uh todd jones said it like in on the on your pod like san jose is such is such like a tribal like community of people like fuck dude it's it's weird yeah i mean i i love just because i'm you know done a sociology degree etc like i love seeing like enclaves that have their own characteristics wherever like you know for example like zach's toured you guys have probably toured like you go to another scene somewhere and you're like oh this is how it is here you know it's 
got its own like quirks and own like unwritten rules, you know? Oh yeah. So if someone comes through, you know, they're playing hardcore with mosh parts, you know, like, or for example, like Madball comes through and sees the crowd just beating the shit out of each other. They may think that people are fighting and then they're like, Oh, okay. After two songs, they realize everyone's got a smile on their face. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> they're not like, yo, 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 chill out. Or if you roll through uh, San Diego in 93, Daniel scolds you for stage diving. Yeah. <laughs> I, I wasn't there in 93 yet. Okay. But, but there, there, there would be some scolding. <laughs> it's different times, man. Um, all right. Is there anything else you guys want to hit on before we get out of here? Mike, do you feel like uh, you've been well represented okay in, uh, in this? Oh, yeah, of course. Cool. Joseph, anything you want to touch on? No, I think uh, I think I'm good. We hit it. Sick, Daniel. You got anything else? Uh, tsunami and retaliate are the best. Let's see, there you go. Um, although Joseph Daniel did have one last question that he forgot to ask you um, about his Bay residency. Oh yeah, yeah. I've I've been here eight years now. When do I become not a bitch? <laughs> uh. Uh, you, you you've you've passed you've passed oh shit i thought i had to do two more years and then you know like i get tenured into not being a bitch no you're, <laughs> you're good i'll give you, i'll give it to you hey I'm, I'm in the thanks list of the tsunami seven inch i'm already that, not a that's bitch, true right? oh that's dang true. royalty love it <laughs> all right guys well thanks so much yeah well, thanks, thanks for having you. us